May I speak in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I wonder how many times you have heard of people doing the impossible. Those things that people thought, that's easy, but actually it's quite impossible. Many years ago, there was an Indian man who swallowed 200 earthworms, each measuring at least 10 centimeters long in 30 seconds. This same man can put small live cobras into his mouth and passing them out through his nose. Now that might sound impossible, but he managed it. I've never tried it and I wouldn't like to either. In the United Kingdom, a man ate a three course meal in 45 seconds. The meal consisted of 500 ml of oxtail soup, one pound of mashed potatoes, half a pound of tinned baked beans and sausages and 50 prunes. I would not like to have been near him the following day. A shearer in New Zealand sheared a sheep in 45.41 seconds. There was a group of students who played snakes and ladders for 108 hours. And then there was a man who played the piano for 45 days and 11 hours. And the barber who shaved 130 men in an hour with a cutthroat razor. A politician gave a speech that lasted 6 hours and 43 minutes. But that's nothing compared to the preacher whose sermon lasted 48 hours and 18 minutes. I'm going to try and beat that this morning. And then there was the camel that tried to go through the eye of a needle and failed miserably. And on the second try, his third try, his fourth try, he failed again. Because camels don't go through eyes of needles. It is an impossible task. It can't be done. The story was told by Jesus. A rich young man had just come to him with a question, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Now we're told that the young man went away sad because he was very rich. And Jesus turned to his disciples, you know, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eyes of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now let's be clear from the beginning that Jesus isn't against having wealth or owning lots of things or striving to own a house or a car. What he is saying is that being blessed with lots of material possessions can be a trap. It's a trap to own things and to want to possess things in such a way that they get in the way of striving for a life that is focused on Jesus and the kingdom of God in much the same way as humps, long necks and flat hairy feet get in the way of a camel trying to get through the eye of a needle. The camel was the largest animal that people knew in Jesus' time, I guess. There didn't seem to be any elephants and no knowledge of dinosaurs, only humpy camels. 
Not only were they big, but they were also the grumpiest and needed a fair bit of coaxing to do anything, let alone squeeze through a tiny opening. Trapped. That's how the camel felt as he meditated on the situation with only one whisker halfway through the needle. Trapped because he was so bulky and big. He had such a huge frame and couldn't get rid of it. Trapped. That's how the rich young man felt as he sat outside the door of the kingdom of heaven. Gradually, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for more things to come adds to our boat so that the door of heaven is dwarfed. There are so many things hanging on to us that it is impossible to fit through the narrow door into the kingdom of God. That doorway is just big enough for us to fit through, let alone all kinds of additional baggage that would hinder our progress. I think the point needs to be made that Jesus isn't just talking about millionaires and the big business people who supposedly have loads of money and spend big on business deals and leisure. He is talking to ordinary people like you and me. Our reading is talking to all of us who are in danger of being so focused on the good things of this world that we lose sight of what is truly important. The philosophy adopted by many people in this world today is happiness is a beer in the local pub. Think of all the chaos when we were in lockdown. People couldn't go to their local pubs. Owning a house, having a car in the garage, security in a job, and happiness might even be your local football team or your national team winning a cup. People who come here to church every Sunday to adopt a material-based value and view of life. It's so easy for us to come and do that. The young man in the text had everything. He was well-to-do. He had a good income. He had food on his table every night. In fact, he could afford to dine out whenever and wherever it pleased him. He was well-clothed. He probably had a holiday house overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And perhaps the latest BMW chariot sitting outside his accommodation. He had everything. Well almost everything. One thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, Jesus said. And the young man couldn't do it. He was trapped by all the things which he had surrounded himself with in life. He couldn't surrender the first place in his heart to Jesus who was asking him to give it all up and follow him. But that place was already filled with his possessions. And he went away really sad. The young man may have had everything, but he lacked the most important thing of all. He still needed the treasure that is more valuable than any other possession. And that is Jesus Christ. This whole teaching goes against the grain. Doesn't the world judge a person as successful? 
when he or she has a big house or flash car or successful career? Aren't people judged by the way they dress, the way they run their business, and by their popularity and fame? When the world talks about security, it talks about the comfortable lifestyle of the person and what they have, and their ability to win friends and influence people because of their successes. We say without thinking that we don't want to get left behind in the race for possessions. It's so easy to become fearful that if we don't put material things first in our lives, then we'll somehow be disadvantaged. I'm not saying that material possessions are wrong. Of course they're not. But Jesus is getting us thinking through this text about what our true priorities are. As you know, well, you don't know, but I'm going to tell you. My cousin's daughter is currently out in Uganda, and she's an architect student. Well, she's finished her degree, finished her master's, um, but she's currently out there on a placement, helping to build schools and hospitals with a group of other people um, as part of the finishing off and signing off, finally, so she can be a fully-fledged architect. And strangely enough, yesterday, uh, when I was travelling back from Ireland, there was a message um, on Facebook, which I don't use very often, but I do use it to keep in contact with family. And there was a lovely little post from her which just fitted very nicely into, I think, what we're trying to say here. And she was saying she's been out there now for nearly two months, another few months to go. And the one thing that has struck her more than anything is the happiness of the people who have nothing. And what she put at the end of the post was, you do not need a TV to be happy. People can be happy without a car, without a TV, without a nice home, without all the possessions around them. And she said, out of all the groups that are there, there's about 10 of them from all over the world, she said that is the one thing that they talk about more than anything else is about living the simple life in the love of God without the possessions that they're so used to at home. And I think for her, and listening to what she was saying and reading what she was saying in that post, it has been a real turning point in her life. That realisation that all you need in life are the few things to survive and the love of God in your heart. We may become great in the eyes of the world, but when our priorities are all wrong, then as far as the kingdom of God is concerned, we are the poorest of the poor. Jesus says, watch out and guard yourselves from every kind of greed, because a person's true life is not made up of things he owns, no matter how rich he might be. And that's from the Gospel of St. Luke. And I don't think Jesus is just talking about material things. He is talking about anything that gets in the way of putting Jesus first in our lives. He includes our leisure activities, our work, our hobbies, our sport. When we misuse the gifts God has given us and regard them as more important than the Creator, then they become a curse. They become a burden. A beautiful house is good. It's lovely. Of course it is. Having money is great. 
But when these things become all-consuming, they squeeze Jesus out of first place. We all get it wrong. And I include myself in that. Whether we are rich or poor, we are constantly in danger of filling our hearts with everything else except Jesus. Luther explains the commandment, you shall have no other gods. And he explains it like this. We should honor, love, and trust God more than anything else. I can say quite confidently that there isn't one person here who has done just that. We are as guilty as sin, each and every one of us. In fact, if we kept this one commandment perfectly, then there would be no sin in our lives or in the world. Our honor, love, and trust for God would not allow us to put anything as more important than God and our relationship with him. And that includes worshiping him, praying to him, reading and studying his word, doing deeds of love and kindness for others. Because we carry a load of sin on our backs. We are like camels trying to squeeze through the eye of a needle. An impossibility. Jesus looked at his disciples straight in the eye and answered their question of who can be saved then? Saying, this is impossible for a human being, but not for God. Everything is possible for God. The only way we can possibly enter the kingdom of God is to be pulled through the needle's eye by God himself. He loves us. He sent his son to die for us so that we could be forgiven and all of our sins against the first commandment and for all of sins that have put other things first before Jesus. Jesus says, all those who live and believe in me will have eternal life. What he's actually saying is, put your whole trust in me. Rely on me every single minute of every single day. Pray to me regularly. Listen to me through what I say to you. Happily offer your help to those who need it. Live your life always conscious that you are special and precious in my sight. If this is your priority, then the other things that are important to you will fall into their rightful place. Ask yourself this question. Are you all humps and big, fat, very hairy feet when it comes to getting into the kingdom of God? Are you all weighed down with the problems and worries of possessions that are in danger of taking control of your life? Do you have Jesus in number one place? Or are there all sorts of other things that squeeze him out? There are times when we are more aware of the way we have decentralized Jesus in our lives. But today, let's hear Jesus speaking to all of us we are told he loved the rich man who had everything upside down in his life. He loves you and me. There can be no doubt about that. On the cross, he demonstrated just how much he loves us. And at our baptism, we experienced that love as he changed us from overloaded camels into heirs of eternal life. He forgave us for all of our selfishness, and our misplaced priorities. He welcomed us into his kingdom. And he now challenges us to look at ourselves and our lives and take note of how often we are like hairy, humpy camels trying to get through the eye of a needle. It's impossible. 
but not with God. So through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, let us each day come before our Father and confess our sin. Trust God who welcomes us into his kingdom and live as people who know and appreciate what God has done for us. And no doubt, that will change each of our lives because God can do the impossible.